You're listening to New Spring Radio with Hector Velarde, pastor of Calvary New Spring Church in San Antonio, Texas. Far greater, far bigger than that physical miracle is a spiritual one, and it's a forgiveness of sins. And that is kind of the focus of our study. Jesus reveals today that he came to forgive sins. Sure, he's healing. Sure, he's casting out demons. Sure, he's doing some great things. But Jesus' main purpose was to preach and to share what he's going to say today, that he is here to forgive sins. When Jesus started his ministry, he did many miracles. He turned water into wine, fed the 5,000, walked on water, and he even cast out demons. But the main reason why Jesus came to earth was so that he could forgive sins. In today's message, Pastor Hector will be sharing about this amazing truth and how it should impact our lives. We can walk and live in the confidence that our sins have been forgiven, and we now have an eternal relationship with God. This is the good news of the gospel. Now. Here's Pastor Hector in the book of Mark chapter 2 as he begins his message, A Divine Declaration. Mark chapter 2. If you have your Bible, grab it, open it, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. We are rapidly going through the book of Mark. I say rapidly because we have been in, we were in chapter one for a really long time, at least it felt like it, but we're finally at chapter two. And so our text for today is going to be Mark chapter two. We are going to be going over verses one through 12 in uh, a title or in a message that I have titled, if you take notes, a divine declaration. So you can jot that down if you take notes, a divine declaration. And, and, and if you'll join me, will you follow along as I read? Uh, verse 1 says, And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. They came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and take your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And then verse 12, it says, Immediately, He arose, took up his bed, and went out into the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Well, Lord, this is your word, and this is the portion that we get to study today. It's it's certain, Lord, that you have something 
for us and that this is the text as we just go through it verse by verse that you have assigned for us today. And so, Father, would you use it to minister to our hearts? And as you minister to our hearts, that we would be those that would then apply it, Lord, to our lives. And so, Father, that's a work that only your spirit can do. And that being said, I pray, Lord, that you would, at this moment, Lord, just fill us with your spirit, Lord, to an overflowing, to an an abundant measure, Lord, a double portion, Lord, of your spirit so that we can, Lord, listen, we can take in, and we can apply. Allow us to be good hearers, Lord, and then good doers. Father, we love you. We thank you. We put ourselves in your hands, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Uh, a divine declaration. And, and if you recall, we, we last left Jesus on the outskirts of some small villages in the area of Galilee. So Jesus is ministering in the area of Galilee, and he's in these, uh, the outskirts and in these small villages because his fame has spread. And because his fame had spread, it was making it difficult for him to minister freely. If you recall, the leper had just been healed, and being that he didn't keep it to himself, remember Jesus said, hey, don't tell anyone, and he went and told everybody. Being that that he didn't keep it to himself, the crowds grew and thus drove Jesus out to deserted places, according to the last verse of chapter 1. Well, as he finds himself there in those deserted places, just really it means in these smaller villages, he makes his way back to, guess where? Capernaum. Remember Capernaum? That's where we had left prior. And Capernaum, we will learn, the city is, is where Jesus is, is going to make his headquarters. He, he is going to go out from there, but he's always going to come back. He doesn't make Jerusalem like you would think his headquarters. He makes his town of Capernaum on the side, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, his his headquarters. It's there that Peter, we find out, has a home. Even though Peter was from another town, Bethsaida, he, he, he had a home there, we know, from chapter 1. And it's this town of Capernaum. And it seems that a very good and a very large portion of Jesus's ministry happened in and around this area in this city of Capernaum. The scene, uh, I just want to paint it, this picture for you. It's a scene of commotion. People are excited about the healings that are, have taken place. People uh, find themselves hopeful after, remember, 400 years of really not seeing God work a whole lot in, in kind of that intertestamental period where, where God just seemed to have been silent. It seems like there are new things happening. And, and so thus people are hopeful and, and, and healings are taking place. But at the same time, and we cannot miss this, at the same time, the religious leaders and the religious group of the time, their curiosity has been triggered. They're, they are wondering what is going on as well. And all of that, the healings, the commotion, the hope, the, the leaders, the, the, their, their interest in this Jesus uh, character, it just, all of it sets the stage for what Jesus will do today. And, and Jesus is going to make a divine declaration, and thus the title, Divine Declaration. I'll explain it as we go along. 
In our text today, this portion that we read, you know it. It's a very well-known text. It's a popular text. It's a great text. And, and really, in, in context, it deals with the healing of a paralytic. I think the King James Version says that he was sick of palsy. We'll find out a little bit more about what that is. And that is indeed the focus and the context. But what Jesus does and and. And what I want to share with you today is that Jesus is going to leverage this opportunity, this excitement and hope and interest by the religious leaders to reveal something that he has been waiting to do all along. Like, this is it. Today, he's going to reveal something. In fact, in today's teaching, I, I don't know if you saw it, but Jesus will say something for the first time. Something that he has not said or that he did not say in chapter one. He's going to utter some words that he just has not uttered before, but it's something that he's been waiting to do. I remind you again, and and I've done it several times as we've studied chapter one, is that Jesus did not come to do miracles and preach here and there. Jesus came to preach and to do miracles here and there. I even think that for the kids, I know we don't have very many kids here, but if if you downloaded the sheets, I I think that maybe the coloring page is depicting the healing of the paralytic and, and but but which is fine, but you need to know that this story goes like way deeper than that. Like that's the scene, that's what Jesus leverages, but what is happening, it's just like a lot deeper. And so I'd like for you to, and I'd like to encourage you to, to use this story because without a doubt, you'll read it again and you'll hear another sermon about it, but that you would use this story to trigger in your mind or to remind you of this divine declaration that Jesus is going to make today. And here's the reason why, and here's why I think this is important, is that many, a a lot of people, perhaps you yourself are one of those that approach Jesus as the miracle maker, which he is. Let's not forget that Jesus is a miracle maker, a way maker. We sing about it. There's songs being been written about it. And, and the problem is that many approach Jesus as the miracle maker and yet get disappointed when their miracle does not come true. You know, maybe that happened to you. You've been praying for something for a really long time and, and that miracle you were asking for just did not come true. Well, today we will learn that far greater, far bigger than that physical miracle is a spiritual one, and it's a forgiveness of sins. And that is kind of the focus of our study. Jesus reveals today that he came to forgive sins. Sure, he's healing. Sure, he's casting out demons. Sure, he's doing some great things. But Jesus' main purpose was to preach and to share what he's going to say today, that he is here to forgive sin. So that's what we're going to see today. And, and, and so we kind of keep the flow going. We'll divide the text into three parts. If you take notes, we're going to, we're going to do verses one through four. We're going to call it a tremendous trial. We'll see in that section, a tremendous trial, verses one through four. I'll make it easy for you today. I just, I'll use that that word tremendous again. Verse 5 through 9 will be a tremendous truth. A tremendous truth. And then verses 10 through 12, a tremendous testimony. 
So a tremendous trial, a tremendous truth, and then a tremendous testimony. Look with me. We'll start with that tremendous trial. It says, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Whose house? What house? Well, we, we don't know. We, it's not told to us. I speculate that it's Peter's house. In fact, if you go to uh, Israel today and you go to Capernaum, you, you go to a place, a ruin that's there right on the shore of the Sea of, of Galilee that is covered. In fact, it's sad, but there's a big weird looking church right above it, a Catholic church that they've placed there above it, but below it, and there's glass on the floor where you could see in, but uh, it, it's, it's what is understood to be Peter's house, this house that that perhaps is a house that is being talked about here, but but we don't we don't know if it's Peter's or if it's somebody else's house. But that aside, we see that Jesus returns to Capernaum. Remember, he had left after after uh, he had prayed and said, "No, we're not going back." Even though there were people waiting for him, he went and he went to the uh, to these other cities, and then he heals a leper. But we know that after an undisclosed amount of time, it just tells us after some days. He comes back, and it was heard that he was in the house. Now, it's interesting to me that they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have check-in to, I'm at church, I'm at Peter's house. Uh, you know, there was no way for people to have known, but somehow, some way, it is all of a sudden just, it, it was heard. Like, how did people know? Who knows? We are very good at spreading the word, you know, and we don't need technology. We just, we just spread it, and the word is spread. Hey, Jesus is back in town. He's, perhaps it's the same house that he was at before, and so they already knew that he was there, and so they know that he, his whereabouts, and immediately, look at verse 2. Here's one of Mark's favorite words, immediately. It says, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, I, I love this verse because it just paints such a great picture for us. Like, it, it, think about it. You, you have to kind of go there with me. You've heard me say this before. I, I, I like to kind of imagine that I'm there, and perhaps you need to, you know, picture the scene, close your eyes, and as you, you do, you, you think about the house, you, you, you think about... Uh, the people gathering, you, you, you can think about the crowd, about the scene. What did it sound like? What are people saying? Hey, he's here. Are, are there people kind of elbowing each other, kind of jockeying for position to try to get in the house? The house couldn't have been very big. If it indeed is the house that is a ruin today in Capernaum, I could tell you it is not very big. And so I could I could just picture the scene. There's people trying to to get through, and 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 I have to add to the scene something that we don't see here. Now Matthew chapter uh, nine and Luke chapter five. You can write it down. Those are the parallel passages. Those are the other passages that kind of tell this same story. And it's Luke in his gospel there in Luke chapter five that states that among those who sat by to listen were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now check this out, from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Samaria. Now remember that I said last that part of the reason that Jesus told the leper to go present himself to the priest after he had been cleansed was because Jesus cared for the priest, like he wanted them to see what was going on. He, he didn't want to just alienate them just because they were of the religious 
side of things. Absolutely not. Jesus had a heart for them too, and thus he did it as a testimony that not only did Jesus want the leper to obey the rules of the day, which I think could speak to us today. Remember, did he have to really go present himself? Not really. Jesus had already healed him, but he says, hey, you go present yourself. Like you, Let's obey whatever the rules are of the day. But he also wanted him to be a testimony to them. And here, the fact that the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law from every town, I mean, think about how many of them were there. They are there because of this man's testimony, a lot of them. At least the ones at, in Jerusalem, the ones that, that he had to go get before and get ceremonially cleaned by. These guys, these religious leaders have heard. These guys have now seen some of them, this, the, the power of Jesus and the healing of the leper and the things that they're hearing about him. And now they gather to get a little closer look at the action. They're like, okay, this is where he's at. Let's go see what's going on. And can I just use that, the fact that these guys are there, the fact that that leper went and he obeyed and he went and presented himself and, and he was a testimony to these guys. Can I just say that, that and encourage you to never underestimate the power of your testimony, like of your life changed? It, 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 your life, my life, changed by the gospel, has the ability to minister to others and thus at the same time kind of pique their curiosity. And that's what's gone on. This guy went and, and thus these people are there. there. There was no longer room, it tells us, to receive anyone, not even, not even near the door. And you get the picture. It's crowded. You know, there's people, at least I imagine there's people that are looking through the windows. There's people that are at the doorway. As many as could gather inside the home have gathered. I'm, I'm assuming that there's people kind of standing out in the street. And Jesus then sees the crowd and, and he just starts slaying people in the spirit. He just starts laying hands on people and they start. Is that really what happened? No. Look at it with me. Look at what he says. And, and Jesus saw this, and, and I, I bring it up for good reason, but look at what he does. And he preached the word to them. Again, I, I don't want to continue to point this out, but I must. Jesus came to preach. Jesus came to teach. Think about this with me. What, what has drawn the crowds? We know because of what's happened, the miracles. I mean, maybe there's one or two there or a few who are like, man, I really like his teaching. I heard him in the synagogue that day and I really liked what he said and thus they're back. But by and large, it's the crowd. What has drawn the Pharisees and the scribes? The, the miracles, the, remember the leper? I mean, the, the fact that he went and that he healed him, that is what is drawing people. But this has to come in loud and clear to us. If Jesus doesn't address this issue, the fact that people are being drawn by his acts and by his miracles and by his casting out of demons, if he does not address this issue right now in our story today, it's going to get out of hand. Things are going to get out of hand. It already has to some degree. People are hearing that he's there and what did they do? They flocked right to them. Now, I'm not against miracles. Please don't take that the wrong way. In fact, I, I pray for them 
often, but my life and your life needs to be sustained by the reading and the applying of his word and not by miracles. Like that's what gets us through today is his word. It's what he said. I mean, can you imagine being there and hearing Jesus teach? Like that had to be like amazing. Like what did he tell them? What did he say? What, what were the words that were coming out of the, just the wisdom and the knowledge? And I know I'm, I'm a stickler for the word being the most important part of our lives because it seems that that's what was important to Jesus. Every time he had an opportunity, he opened the word and he started teaching. So here a crowd gathers and Jesus begins to preach. Now, I believe he just simply gave a Bible study. Like he just started teaching from the law and the prophets. Can you imagine having like that MP3, like that recording of like what I would love to have it. Like, what did he say? Like he, he, he just opens up the law and the prophets and he just starts talking and sharing. And it's Jesus giving a Bible study. And that's, that's what's going on. That's the scene he's teaching. But look what happens in verse three. It, here's this tremendous trial. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which this paralytic was laying or lying. This is a tremendous trial indeed. This gentleman, this person who's being carried is sick of palsy, as I said. Some of the other translations, perhaps yours, says that, which, which just really means to suffer from the relaxing of the nerves. He had weak limbs. He, he was paralyzed, a paralytic. He could not move his limbs. He can't walk. Perhaps he can't even move his arms. We don't know. We're not told that. We, we know he can't walk because he's being carried, but Luke tells us that he's being carried by his friends on a bed. Think of a makeshift kind of thin mattress. I don't know why in my mind I've always had, you know, kind of this pallet where they're like carrying him on this, I don't know, this wooden bed. And perhaps it was, but the word seems to allude to just kind of this makeshift little mattress or think about maybe like a a sheet or something where they're just carrying this guy and And they get to the entrance and they realize that they can't get to Jesus. Like there's no way. There's people at the entrance. There's people at the windows. There's a crowd that is gathered perhaps on the street. And so they realize they can't get to Jesus. And again, Luke gives more details saying that their intention was, and again, Mark didn't cover it, but look what Luke says, that their intention was to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Like they don't want to be out on the street. They don't want him just kind of at the window looking in. They want to put this guy right in front of Jesus. They weren't just hoping to get a glimpse. They were determined to just put this guy there, and that they do. They, they, they're, they're about to do that. And I just will just take that real quickly and encourage you to just do the same thing with those who you want to bring before Jesus, those in your life who who you would like to place at the feet of Jesus, those that you would like to hear the gospel, can, can I just remind you that our responsibility is to just simply bring them before Jesus and then just leave them there? 
Like we, we, our responsibility is not to try to heal them ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean you don't preach the gospel because preaching the gospel is bringing them before Jesus, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not literal, but it, it is bringing them right before him. But, but my point is that don't try to like knock it into them or force them to believe. Just bring them in and simply be faithful to bring them before Jesus and then just kind of get out of the way. That's what these guys are going to do. In fact, we'll see that they stay on the roof and they just drop this guy down. They just wanted to get him before Jesus. They make their way onto the roof of the house and they start uncovering it. And you got to know that most houses in this time, they were one story. However, they would use every every space possible. And the roof was one of those spaces that, that they would use to gather. Isn't it interesting that you learn in the book of Mark about Jesus' selflessness? He came to serve, and some of those he served most were his disciples. As he was preparing to offer the greatest sacrifice of himself for the disciples and all of mankind, the people following him were consumed with personal worry and fear about their status, their safety. It's such a typical response of human nature to worry about how the circumstances at hand will directly affect you. But Jesus' example went beyond himself and focused on those he came to save. It's a remarkable thing to realize Jesus' character and nature was always about others, not himself. How do you react when you're in dire straits? Do you think of yourself or put others in front of you? Being selfless takes intentional effort to not worry about your life and your circumstances. It takes God working in and through you to accomplish it. Even though Jesus is God, he asked the Father for help to accomplish what he came to do. You can ask God for help too. Do you find yourself seeking God's help to be less selfish and be willing to serve others? If you'd like someone to pray with about these things, we'd like to be a support for you. You can call us at 210-530-9673. New Spring Radio is a ministry of Calvary New Spring in San Antonio, Texas. To learn more, go to calvarynewspring.com. Thanks for listening today to New Spring Radio.